Welcome back to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. I'm Russ, and he is Steve. And it is very fun to be able to pull out the old 80s hairdos in episode 248 today, November 4th? Is it 2021? Yes, it is. <laughs> I've been on the struggle bus lately with those dates, Steve. I apologize. Our... Uh, little program today is going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be catching up with each other before going right into our topic of the day, which is the Guardians of the Galaxy game impressions, which you can fast forward to if you look at the detailed timestamps located below. But before we go any further, make sure you air guitar that subscribe button, maybe headbang that notification bell. That way you will not miss a single episode of Joygasm that drops once a week, every week. Now that we have that out of the way, Steve. Yes. Welcome back to the show, my bodacious ah, brother. Welcome you, back. Thank you. What, uh, what exactly have you been up to this past week week? I haven't seen too much of your ass. Yeah, Russ, you know, uh, just been hanging out at the house with a wife. You know, we haven't gone out all that much. I haven't come over here. I'm watching some movies. We would try to watch some, you know, kind of lighthearted stuff compared to the kind of the heavy stuff that we've been watching, you know. Makes sense, yeah. And plus, you know, when you come home from work, you don't want to, you know, you want to you just let down. You know, you want to eat your dinner, you want to watch a movie, you just want to kind of forget about your day. Ooh. I understand. So. I, I definitely understand. We've been watching Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan! <laughs> you know, Jackie Chan has a special place in, I think, a lot of yes, people's hearts. Yes, he does, Russ. Yes, he does. So we watched the uh, the entire, like, the one, two, and three of Rush Hour. Okay, Rush Hour is, yeah, that, that, that's one of those go-tos where, like, you could you could literally play that in the background every day, and it would just be, oh, it's Rush Hour. That's it's awesome. Rush Hour, yeah, it's cool. Hmm. And then we watched Shanghai New and, and Shanghai Nights. Russ. Those are also, yeah, those are a lot of fun. Owen Wilson, good times. They right. never made a third one out of that, did they? They stopped at the, yeah, the Shanghai Nights. Yeah, I don't know where they're going to go after the Shanghai Nights, but they didn't ever make a third one. I think he had to go to other projects and then just moved on. I see. And I think uh, Owen Wilson moved on too or something. He was, it just never happened. Never fell into place. What are you going to do? I see. And then we decided to uh, turn it up a notch, <laughs> and uh, we watched The Predator. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> so you, you went from lighthearted Jackie Chan <laughs> yeah. to then feeling a little too oh, lighthearted, and you man. need something uh, a little more heavy. Yeah. So, well, the thing is, why that happened really is that Amazon, I, I don't know, something... Amazon Prime, I think, just watches your your playlist, like stuff that you put on there you want to watch. And it could be like free to me at the time. And then like the very next day, it's like, oh, you want to rent that? $3.99, please. You're like, it was just free yesterday. You give me a break. So that's what happened really with The Predator is that we I put it on the watch list to watch and it was free mm -hmm. and then so when we when we decided to watch it it was 399 i thought we're not we ain't gonna watch it for 399 <laughs> it was free before i'm not gonna pay him four bucks 
call me cheap, but whatever. So I'm like, it's going to be free again. Just trust me. And that was like months ago. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe like two months ago. Anyway, so then this, uh, this past weekend, we uh, I, we turn Amazon back on, and of course, it's free. I'm like, yes, we're watching it. That is so odd. You know, that, that is something that I know that we've talked about to a certain extent in the past, where Amazon Prime... I don't know if like if if it's just their shenanigans that that they're kind of pulling their subscribers through or or what the deal is, but it, it never seems to be as straightforward as say Netflix. Like Netflix, you go in, you know you, what you're paying for, you know you have, but Amazon has like these different tiers almost or levels where it's like yeah, certain things will probably always be free, but then there's these these other tiers of content where it's like. Oh, maybe we'll make it free. You know what it reminds me of as I'm talking about it is actually the old HBO days because back in the day, like HBO would sometimes make its channel free for like a weekend. Right. Well, and, and, and the idea yeah. being to entice new people to start wanting to, to subscribe to their channel. And then, you know, most of the, the, the other times you would have to pay for it and whatnot. But I remember even when we were kids, like that was kind of an exciting thing. Like, oh, HBO's, is, you know, it's, you can watch, you know, Gremlins for free <laughs> or whatever. Right. Uh, yeah. I think a lot of the channels did that. I think, you know, Showtime, Stars, uh, they just do that to, market basically yeah, yeah. It, it, it's basically what you're saying so like yeah hey you never thought about getting this package before well hey it's free this weekend yeah you want to think about it huh <laughs> yeah and I, I do wish though that if that is in fact what they're doing mm -hmm. i wish they would just be more transparent about it say hey we have this promotion going on certain things that you would normally have to pay for through amazon prime if, you know let's say it's a weekend, you know, Saturday and Sunday, these, these tiered items that normally would cost you extra, like a premium price on top of your subscription, they're free and just be able to push that to their subscribers. I think that would be actually a, a nice gesture on Amazon's part. It would. And so it is a bit confusing. Uh, I will say that um, with HBO max, of course, you know, you'll get everything free on there and then they'll, they'll swap out some of their shows. Mm. So you'll see like a segment that says, you know, this stuff's about to leave. FYI, and then, you know, that stuff will leave, and then they'll bring in a new slew of, of movies. You know? Right. And so, anyhow, but everything there, of course, is free because you're, you're paying for the subscription. Which is, I mean, you're paying for Amazon, too. I don't know. It's just kind of frustrating. You're like, oh, yeah, that's free. I'm going to, because what I'll do sometimes is after my wife goes to bed, I'll go through and I'm like, okay, what do we want to watch? You know, I kind of add to my list. And then when the time comes, we're like, okay, yeah, I know we'll watch. Thank you for smoking, I think is one I put on there. And then uh, I'll go back to it. I put The Godfather. That's a great example. I put The Godfather on there because she's never seen it. And it's free. And went back and it's, you got to rent it. Yeah, that is, yeah. They need to fix that. I, I, I think it's, yeah. a, it's an easy fix. And, it, and if they were to do that, I think that it would um, honestly please a lot of their subscriber base because I think that people are, they, they enjoy the platform. I just think that there needs to be more of a clearer understanding of what it is that Amazon has for free versus what is not for free. It, it definitely, yeah, it muddies the water a little bit bad. Um, anything else? I think that's about it. Ross. That's about it. Mm. Now it's been playing. Um, yeah. Just far cry. Yeah. I'm trying to, 
Have you? Are you close to beating it? Yeah, I'm. I'm getting there. I am definitely getting there. Um, I've gained a, a lot of weapons. You know, Far Cry. What I've learned is you don't really have to buy anything because eventually you're going <laughs> to acquire everything anyway. It's like I really don't have need for money. Yeah, I just you know progress, and uh, I mean I might upgrade my weapons a little bit, but um, yeah, I'm slowly but surely taking everybody out. I think I uh, concentrated too much on one of the camps, mm. and then. A bit, a significant ha- thing happened in the story, and and then uh, it goes, oh, all the uh, all the security has been revamped across the map. I'm like, wait a minute, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then so like, you know, you had to be like level six to actually like make a dent somewhere. And like now, I had to be level eight. I'm like, oh, great. I guess I'll uh, do some more teeny weeny stuff until I get there. But yeah. Anyway, game was fun. Mm. Yes. Well, I'm glad to hear that, Steve. Yeah, I have not actually been playing Far Cry 6 recently. Mm. In fact, it's funny to, to think about the number of titles that have been released this year that I have not gotten through yet. I mean, Deathloop is another one. Yes. And then when it comes to Guardians of the Galaxy, which we'll talk about in a little bit, that one has been taking up the lion's share of my time. However... I have also been playing Luigi's Mansion 3 on the Nintendo Switch. It was a title that I bought. I want to say it was like one or two. Maybe it was two years ago. Anyway, it got really good reviews on, on sites like IGN. And I was thinking, okay, this this looks interesting. It's a, You take control of Luigi, of course, and, and you're going through this like haunted hotel or whatever, and, and you're having to try and free your buddies and whatnot. And there's all these poltergeists and ghosts and different types of, of uh, situations is it's kind of like Nintendo's version of Ghostbusters really. Cause like Luigi has like, like not a proton pack, but he has like a vacuum cleaner and, uh, okay. and, and instead of like ooze, like, you know, like, like in Ghostbusters, like the, you have like the, either the pink ooze or the green ooze, you know, Slimer of course is, is one of the classic icons from that particular IP. But in this one you have what's called Gooigi and Gooigi oh, is, uh, this like oozy version, like almost like a gummy bear version of Luigi, which from a gameplay mechanic standpoint is actually quite original and quite fun because you, ha- you, you go through these, these different types of puzzle scenarios where you have to rely on Gooigi in order to, to like progress forward. Or maybe you have to utilize both Luigi and Gooigi at the same time doing it's like the kind of like that, like help each other out kind of thing. So there's a lot of, of smarts and, and cleverness that the game designers put into the game. And my daughter really enjoys the game too. Like the, she's a really big Nintendo Switch fan because most of the titles on there are, are more appropriate for her age level, which is great because then that means that there's more daddy-daughter time, right? Like you sit down and she's in the, this really fun phase where she's really into Halloween. She's into zombies and ghosts and vampires, that sort of thing. And so she naturally has a a curiosity to it. And it's a lot of fun because there are multiple moments when like, you know, the game will get a little spooky and she'll like, kind of like huddle up next to my arm and then, you know, hide under the blankets or whatever. And so I'm, I'm kind of like the one that takes on the boss battles, but she's the one I've got to say, I got to sing her praises a bit because she has a knack for knowing what to do in different rooms that like, I'm like, I'm not even at that, that point yet. Like I'll be in a room and I'm like, yeah, I'm not really sure. Like, Oh, what I'm supposed to do. Cause they have like different things. Like you have a flashlight that can trigger certain things. You have like kind of like a, 
a, a poltergeist ray that can sometimes trigger things. You have like this plunger that you can shoot out and like, you know, pull uh, off of to, in order to like move stuff or what. I mean, there's a, there's a number of different things you can do. You have the vacuum cleaner that can either uh, blow or suck. And so like, depending on which room you're in, mm. different items will have different needs. She will nail it every time. She's like, daddy, try do this. I'm like, do what? She's like, do that thing with that part right over there, whatever. It works. And she's six years old and she, she's like remembering all these different mechanics that are in the game. And she knows how to correctly apply them even before her old man knows how. And as you know, Steve, I've got a wealth I would say probably somewhere in the vicinity of at least 35 years of gaming experience under this muffin top belt. So it's very interesting indeed. But, uh, you know, figured you get a kick out of that. Even though you, I know you haven't played the game, but just knowing mm. your niece, uh, she, she's got the makings of a natural gamer, Steve. Nice. One other thing I thought would be fun. Just pardon me for one moment. I have to pull it up here. So... Oh, this is a big doozy. <laughs> so this handsome little collection, I'm going to try and straighten that out a little bit so people can see it properly there. I think that's okay. Anyway, so this particular book, um, it's actually a two-parter. So if I were to rotate it a bit, you'll notice on the end there, um, these are actually two different books and I've been looking forward to having this be delivered for a long time because this actually is a very in-depth, um, almost like a timeline, if you will, of literally every single Marvel movie that was created, um, that I think it goes up to, I want to say Endgame. It may go slightly beyond that. I'm not entirely sure because honestly, I haven't had time to really like dive into it. However, what's really cool about this is um, this book includes like all kinds of different types of concept designs um, as it applies to the movies that I've never seen before. And I have a number of different items that contain concept art and that sort of thing. There's a ton of stuff in here. There's a lot of behind the scenes photos um, that are not like the ones that you would find on, on like the web, for example, like, like they put a lot of exclusive behind the scenes pictures in here. They also have a lot of, um, verbiage in terms of different folks who had involvements in different capacities in different departments, that sort of thing. This is legit. I gotta tell you, like, like maybe someday if you're interested and you have some time, uh, you know, you're, you'll be welcome to, to go through it, but there is, there's, there's an absolute ton in here. I just wanted to also hmm. show you, and this is pretty heavy too, oh. each one of these books. So I love the, the design of this as well. So you, you slide it out like this and you'll notice, man, this is long. <laughs> you'll notice that um, even like the, the, the cover has, you know, that's the start of the Marvel Cinematic Universe with the original uh, Mark I Iron Man suit. Which, by the way, I get I have to give a shout out to my my buddy Greg Smith, who was one of the uh, designers of that suit. Um, and then, in terms of, of the other book, just give me a second here. Try and get it out here. What's really cool is that when you look at the the cover on this other book, you'll notice 
That is the Iron Man gauntlet from Avengers Endgame. So it's this really neat. Uh, I'm trying to get it to. There we go. A little more of that light on there. Um, really neat presentation. Uh, how they've done all this stuff. Um, I'm, like, I'm like trying to like do this without looking at it. Let me just, just move it up like this. I don't want to there. Anyway, I, I have barely looked at these two books. I just did like a brief flip through. There we go. Oh, gotta be gentle. Gentle, gentle. Okay. Anyway, really, really cool. Um, and I just, uh, oh, I can't recommend this enough. I mean, look at that. This is beautiful. It's a thing of beauty right there, Steve. <sighs> Are you? I know you haven't seen the books yet, but do you like the uh, the, the presentation uh, cover art, Ross? The, yes, the, the, the box art, as it were. The title here, Ross. And, ooh, look at that! Look at oh man, uh-huh. it's even picking up your uh-huh. skin color. That's uh-huh. how uh-huh. white we are here uh-huh. in the Joygasm Studio. Man, we don't need no lights. <laughs> my my. Because it's time for the topic of the day! Guardians of the Galaxy Game Impressions. This is a game that was developed by none other than Eidos Montreal and through the publisher of Square Enix. We saw a bit of this game during, I want to say it was, it was kind of like the online E3 presentation because Square Enix had their own presentation right. during that, that yeah. period of time. What's interesting is that this game really has not... Um, had a whole lot of like pre-hype leading up to its release. Like we saw yeah. they had like the, the one um, in-depth gameplay demo. Remember that? Like, like we actually right. saw quite a bit of the gameplay, which we we're like, wow, okay, this is, this is pretty cool. Um, but it is interesting to me how we really didn't, it wasn't like, like if you were to compare this to like, say cyberpunk 2077, that had ton, years yeah. upon years of, hype build up and almost to like a it's detriment in terms of like when players finally got it. So it's really cool to see this game finally in our hot little hands. I know that we've had slightly different um, experiences in the sense like, so I bought the game first. I bought it last week when it came out. I have already beaten the game. Like good job. This game. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Steve. This game has sucked me in uh, blissfully. So, like a black hole, bros. How? I'm on how, chapter three. Chapter three. Yeah. So you're you're very early on. Yeah. Absolutely. Tell us, Steve. Yes, Russ. Uh, so what has been? Okay. Full disclosure. Uh huh. Steve has been playing the game on just the Xbox One, not even the Xbox One X, just the right. Xbox One. Right. Take it away, Steve. Well, you, one thing I got to say, Russ is uh, I was wanting 
to come over here and play it. Mm-hmm. After last week, when you when you told me, "Hey, come by, I want to visit with you," correct? I'm like, you know what? I'll come over and play Guardian. You are How correct. How about that? And then we had the Halloween, and you're like, "Hey, I got the game." I'm like, oh yeah, that's right, it came out. And you're like, "You should come over." That's true. Like, yeah, I should. And then you're like, "Yep, don't come over," because <laughs> I'm I'm like playing it a lot, and I'm in the game, and then I don't want to spoil it for you. I'm like, Rasta, don't worry about it. I'll come over and play it." You're like, "Nope, nope, don't come over." I'm like, "You know what? There has got to be." like a new game portion where you can save it on a different spot so that I don't see (laughs) what you're playing. Right. And there is. There is, however, (laughs) however. Uh The problem is that, first of all, you wouldn't have the game at home. Right. You know, you you would be able to play it here for maybe like two hours, but then you'd go home and it wouldn't be there. So you'd still have to buy the game and then you have to replay what you just played. Plus, the other thing is, is that that's how much I was enjoying this game was like, I didn't want to put it down. And I think that's one of the things that I, I guess we could kick off with is that this game is really fun. This is a fun game to play, but not in terms of like the the reasons that that you would kind of I don't know, kind of glom onto first. Okay. Um for me like so this game has I would say this game has heart and then some. Yeah. And I think what's interesting about this is that when we first saw the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, we didn't know what to expect. Right. We went in, we're like, okay, we'll we'll trust that they see know what, what they're happens. doing. We'll, we'll just see what this is about. And um, to our delight, it turned out being fantastic. Yeah. One, one of like the best new additions to right. the Marvel cinematic universe. However, like go- going into this game, I was once again, unsure of, okay, is this, are they going to be able to like, you know, strike Deliver. lightning twice? Yeah. Because here's the deal. Like we've talked about in the past about how James Gunn is, a rarity in the sense that he excels at kind of like this, like misfit Motley crew type of setup. Right. So he did guardians of the galaxy. He did the suicide squad earlier this year. And I think that's something that, that is not an easy thing to do. Not to mention that this game was actually going away from the proven material from the MCU. And I think that that's one of the kind of the, makes your butthole pucker a little bit (laughs) (laughs) because you know, like, like there are games where like they are successful at doing that. And there are games where they fail miserably and fail. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. So when it came to this game, we saw the, like the demo for instance, and I think we both were digging like, like the art direction of the characters. Would you agree? I would, yeah, for the most part. Quill looked a little odd. He looked kind of like a tool. I think that's intentional, though. But it might have been intentional. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I didn't, like, dislike the way he looked. I just thought, man, that's really a depart. But I was relieved. I didn't want them to be, you know, animating some rendering of Chris Pratt, you know, because that's not going to work. Well, and see, I go back and forth with that because, on the one hand, I have invested myself emotionally into the cast from the movies. So like if they were to recreate, you know, Chris Pratt or, 
Dave Bautista or, you know, any of them in there, or maybe even like, uh, rehire what's his name for, uh, the voice of rocket raccoon. You had, uh, Vin Diesel for Groot. Um, you know, I think that that and unto itself will be really rewarding. In fact, that's one of the things I talked about with the Marvel's Avengers game that crystal dynamics developed was like, my thing was like, I really wanted to actually have like the Chris Evans, Captain America, the Scarlett Johansson, black widow, uh, the Mark Ruffalo Hulk, the Robert Downey Jr. Iron Man complete with like them lending their voices. Like I, I literally wanted to have that kind of experience with that game, but instead it was something different. And I think that it was kind of a mixed bag in terms of how, that ultimately worked out because it wasn't like a, a sloucher visually speaking, but I do think that there were certain decisions that were made creatively or even with the art direction that I, I, for me personally, I wish they would have gone with the, the MCU. Yeah. I, I could see what you're saying, but I'm glad they didn't because I, I think when you take what is very popular right now mm-hmm. and you give it into the hands of another studio to say, continue working the magic the way Marvel Studios worked it. You're really banking on the fact that they're going to take it and do a Hail Mary all the way to the end zone. Um, And if they don't, then it's a humongous letdown to the entire fan base. And so that that is i think a too much of a risk maybe um so i i kind of i was okay with it because i thought okay i don't know how how they're going to take the movie and put it into a game because oftentimes those don't do very well yeah. and so i i wouldn't want them to kind of tarnish um what i appreciate to see in the movies like oh yeah we got ron robert downey jr to pl- to to do the voice and then i would think yeah it really didn't do anything for me though you know mm-hmm. and then they spent all that money and you know why not just have some some new actors do it um so i i was definitely okay with that and i was okay with this too i thought I, all the actors did a fine voice job over everything yes um and i thought the writing was was very well and you mentioned avengers um, I'm just going to throw in here that, uh, this game is basically everything Avengers wasn't. Yes. So, I would agree with that. Like I, I am not going to go back and play Avengers. Like I'm pretty much going to call that a loss. Well, <laughs> you know? yeah. And they didn't do themselves any favors <laughs> either with, with that whole like, uh, pay to win scheme that they were doing where, where in the store with Avengers, um, they were putting stuff in where if you wanted to pay money, you could literally buy like these, you know, loot boxes of XP, which would help you unlock other stuff. And then the community once again was like, that is not cool. Like right. there's, there should not be paywalls in place in order to like in, uh, boost your performance and stuff. So yeah, I would agree. But going back to guardians of the galaxy, I absolutely agree. I think that when it comes to the voice acting, this, it was superb. And I know you're only into three chapters, but honestly, you probably have a good idea of the, the, the quality level when it comes to the, this level of performance from the voice actors. Would you agree? Uh, I would. Yeah. Um, I mean, what I was going to say with the Avengers thing is that it, basically 
everything is an improvement from that game. Yeah. I didn't want to go down a hole, but uh, like the level design and, and, sure. and the act, the acting was still okay in that game, but I mean, the acting has definitely taken a, a step up in this one. Uh, the music, my gosh, <laughs> is phenomenal. Well, before we go into that, God, let's, let's bo- go back to some of the, the voice acting and the dialogue, because this is definitely an area that I feel was one of the strongest suits of the entire game. Like knowing the entire story now that I know and seeing the, these character arcs, like you are going to be, you are in for a treat basically. And I, I say that to all of you out there as well, because this isn't like a one dimensional, Oh, it's an action shooter. And they just have quips that they throw at each other and everything else. They actually weaved into this story, um, various, character arcs within each one of the characters that are, that are part of the guardians of the galaxy, not to mention the fact that you're going to run into other characters in the game as well. And they, even though they are in a supportive capacity, hold their own totally. Like there, there is one character in particular that I can't wait for you to meet and get to know. And like, like by the end of this game, What's crazy about it is I almost cried. Like, like I got freaking misty eyed when it came to like the last couple of chapters where like everything just kind of came to that crescendo moment. And again, that is um, kudos to the, the writers and to the voice actors for this because they understand the spirit of Guardians of the Galaxy. That's part of the secret sauce that works within this world of Guardians of the Galaxy that James Gunn tapped into, is you have these different characters that each have experienced a sense of loss um, in their own way. Right. And as a result, they get triggered differently. You know, like there are there's different things that... that someone will say off the cuff, which is like, because you know, like some of the, the past of some of these other characters. I mean, I found myself kind of wincing at times where I'm like, Ooh, don't say that. That's go, oh, that's going to make so-and-so pissed off or whatever. Um, and so, yeah, you're, you're going to have a lot of fun with that. Another thing too, that I can tell you, and I'm not going to go into spoiler territory or anything like that, but the dialogue tree, which I know that you have had some exposure to, right? That also has a sense of consequence to it, right? From a relational level, yeah. Which is cool because I wasn't sure early on, like, okay, maybe it it, it does some marginal things, whatever. No, like I did certain things that really made uh, like certain characters mad and they held a grudge against me for like a large part of the game until I made it right. And on the other side of that coin, like I did certain things where like there are certain characters where they really appreciated that. And as a result altered some of the different types of um, events that would transpire. So I think you're like me in the sense like that, that kind of stuff we really dig. Am I right? Uh, I, yeah, I would say so. Um, <laughs> you know, coming to think of it though, on that the regular 
Xbox One, mm-hmm. um, you know, th- what'll happen is it'll bring up two little or three or four little dialogue boxes of choices you can choose to, to say certain things th- you know, throughout the game and then maybe more significant parts. Like, okay, you're talking to this person. They're asking you something and you got to decide. You're not just walking and right. saying things off the cuff. <laughs> and um, I would think, okay, there's a certain amount of time I got to say this in. But I didn't see the timer. And like, I don't know if it's a broken part on the Xbox One or what, but I'm like, okay, do I want to say this? Or do I want to say that? <laughs> there, okay, so if you look at now, the- I, I know, it's in the center oh, thing. Oh, you found oh, it. I, okay. I saw it tonight when saw, I was okay. over here. But I mean, I'm looking, I'm looking on my system for any kind of timer, and it's not there. And so there's been times where it's like, it just gives up on me, like time's <laughs> out, and the game has to move on. I'm like, nuts. Like, there's that part where- um, uh, you, you have to like basically tell somebody to put something in the ship. Right. And I'm going, okay, well, should it be A or should it be B? And then I didn't choose anything. And it just says, oh, you didn't choose anything. And I'm like, oh. And then I had to pay for it later on. Mm-hmm. I'm like, nuts. So anyhow, I just got to like fly with whatever choice because I, I, I have to choose it like then, you know, three or five seconds, baby. But yeah, I didn't know that, that until I got here. That's part of the area you were. Mm-hmm. It's suffering a little bit in my system. Well, and since you're talking about it, you had a chance to play for about 30 minutes or so tonight um, on the Xbox Series X. What kind of um, differences have you... I mean, obviously there are differences, but like, is this one as bad as some of the other games? Like, like you were playing games like, once again, Cyberpunk, for example, where this game clearly needs a lot of horsepower in order to run correctly or adequately. And you were talking about how <laughs> it was like it's virtually impossible. unplayable on, yeah. on, on the regular Xbox one. However, with a game like this, I'm curious, how has the gaming experience been for you? Well, it's still very, very pretty. Uh, I will say that. Um, it doesn't, it runs at around like 30 frames a second. Okay. I figured. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely playable, yeah. but um, you can definitely tell that, they had to, to kind of simple things down a bit. Down res like, bit. Like down scale, yeah. Yeah. So like, for example, in the beginning of the game, uh, you know, you see his mom. Yeah. And, or or like when Peter Quill looks in the mirror, that's a good example. And he's like doing little things like, you know, <laughs> hey, hey. Um, <laughs> I love it too. When he, he's like like trying to get something off his teeth or yeah. whatever. Like, was, I think there actually, is there something actually in his teeth? It there may like, be. Yeah. Anyhow, like the hair starts to kind of like mesh together and it looks like it's kind of hexed sure. a little bit. Um, and sometimes the faces get a little little blurry or like if they're trying to make an expression, it kind of looks a little, uh, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not terrible, but right. you could just tell or there's a lot of like polygon bleed through kind of thing. Sure. Anyhow, so on the Series X though, I mean, there's a lot more um, color shading, I would mm. say definitely. Uh, 60 frames a second and, um, some HDR going on as well, which you definitely can, can tell. So, well, and apparently I read something about how they are planning on releasing a a patch for the Xbox series X version, um, that will have ray tracing. And I don't know if they've already done that or if if that's still to come, but if it's still to come, I, I mean, I'm already, blown away by the graphics engine on this. It, like you said, it is a very pretty game. Right. And what's what I do appreciate is that, uh, you know, they're incorporating all these different kind of elements in the game. So like you're, 
you you get the movie sequence where you get to you have have to interact with the people with your different characters Groot and Rocket and, and and Gamora whoever and and so it forces you to watch like this kind of interactive cutscene which is nice and then of course you have the action and the shooting which mm-hmm. is nice and then you have other parts like where you're kind of you know flying the what is that what's the ship name Milano Milano Milano. That's a great ship. That's though. a freaking awesome ship. I've loved yeah. that ship since I saw the first yeah. Guardians. If that, if I get like one of those statues you have around here, <laughs> I'm gonna get like a model of that ship. That's a good idea. Um, anyhow, it reminds me of uh, some of the like the the space spaceship shooters that I played back oh, in like yeah. Sega CD days, or like even like PlayStation, Genesis. like Genesis, or even yeah. like with like PlayStation One. And I always wanted it. To like to look this good. Yeah, yeah. And now that I played a small little sequence there, I'm like, oh, like it makes me look forward to chorus or, you know, when that one comes out. But man, it was so beautiful. Um, and then, well, we, we can move on. So I, we have to talk about the music at some point. Though, right? We got to talk about it. We, we can talk about it now if you want. I mean, I, I, will, I will just simply add that if you liked that ship sequence, there are more. I don't doubt it. Mm-hmm. I don't doubt it. Indeed. So yeah, let, let's go ahead and swing over to the music because this is a success story from a game development standpoint because music is especially like <laughs> actual music from real musical artists. Um, that has always been a challenge for various studios. Like in the past, like you could typically get maybe one song as like something you would use for the game trailers, right? There, there were certain exceptions like, um, what was it like uh Rockstar or what was it called? It was the, the guitar game. There's rock band and guitar hero. That's what it was. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I, was I was combining and bastardizing like both <laughs> titles. That's hero skill. guitar. Yeah. That one <laughs> band rock. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, those were the exceptions in the sense that like their entire like paradigm was being able to license lots and lots of music. And what was interesting was I recall um, learning about the story of that because when they first released the game, they actually had a very limited selection of titles. However, as the game was successful and, and built up this clout, and then you actually had the musical celebrities begin to play the game and realize, hey, this is really cool. They didn't want to miss out. So then they started proactively talking um, to Harmonix or, or, or uh, even Activision for, I think, I think Activision was part of Guitar Hero. Um, but there was suddenly like this interest. There was this dialogue between the musical artists who really saw the potential of this because it's free advertising. Like right. if you have all these gamers enjoying these songs, I can even use myself as an example for that where after I was playing or as I was playing those two games, I suddenly became acutely aware of various bands and like the songs that correspond to various band names because I'm notoriously awful at like if I if I hear like a song on the radio, I'll like the song, <laughs> but I'll have no idea what the name of that song is, and I will not know who the band is. And is games like that where I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then what I'll do is I'll go on to like iTunes, for example, and I'll download that song right then and there and enjoy it, you know, from there on out. So I think it's interesting how in Guardians of the Galaxy they were able to to go through this licensing of various well-known 80s songs 
And I think it's 70s, actually. I think some some 70s, some 80s. Yeah, right. Right in that 70s, 80s area. But my goodness, what a difference it makes when you have that playing. I mean, that that is such a a large part of the Guardians of the Galaxy. And they they put just just the sequences of songs. And I don't even know all the names. I mean, I, you can turn on like a classic station. Yeah. You're like, oh, I know all this music. You know, and you would have probably have it playing in the background. But I, they, it's like they went through and they crisped everything up to make it sound like fresh for today. Mm-hmm. Like kind of, you know, re, not remixed, but remastered. Yeah. Um, and so if you're, you're looking out the window of, of the ship and you're looking at this, like the, the void of space and everything that it has to show and then you know it plays you know some like you know Fear the Reaper or something yeah, whatever yeah. in the background it's like oh, it just really drives it home or uh, you know certain music when you when there's a high action sequence or when uh-huh. you're, you're blasting enemy oh it's just yeah have you really unlocked fun. a certain ability that allows you to huddle I'll say it that way yeah yeah okay I, I'm just trying to be sensitive. I know, I know. The, so that kind of thing is also, I feel like, like, like that. That is a byproduct of how awesome having right. all of these licensed '80s songs is. Because if you activate that, it's just this cool rallying, like super move kind of thing. And you do so to like a randomly selected '80s song, and so it, it is. Uh, I find it very. You know, uh, speaking of unlocking, though, so, I mean, like, you, you're, you have Rocket Raccoon who loves you know, mm-hmm. and stuff, and so I, I I knew from the very, very beginning that, okay, there's going to be stuff that you're going to have to, you know, tinker with, upgrade, or, you know, level up, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing that I noticed, like, from the very, like, this is not, this is not a spoiler, because it's the very beginning of the game. Yeah. Um, is that, uh, you know, Star-Lord has those rocket boots. Yes. And so I, I kind of thought in the beginning, as I began to play the game, like, you know what? I'm going to see if I can do a double jump. And I could do a double jump with the boots. And then I thought, well, in the movie, he can kind of fly around for a little bit. And then I thought, okay, let's hold the button down and do that. No. Like, yeah. you, you can't do it, like, whatsoever. So I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that later on that ability is going to be on. You are correct. Lot. But then later, like someone mentions... Um, Something ha- I'm not gonna say the the, the, the scenario of what happens, but he goes, I need my rocket boots to fly up to somewhere. I'm like, what do you mean? You can't fly. You can just double jump right now. I'm like, you should have just given me that ability from the beginning. Uh-huh. So, um, and then like, I w- I was kind of hoping his uh, his little pea shooters would have a little more of an impact, I guess. Um, and I, I I the only comparison I could really bring it to it was is like Devil May Cry. For example, yeah, that, that's so, a that's a decent example. You know, so comparison from the beginning of the game, like you have you know guns that you can shoot, and the guns sound awesome. And of course, you acquire more like later in the game, but all the guns just always sound cool, mm-hmm. and they look cool, and they and, and and whatnot. They feel like they have some impact, and and these again, I'm not very far in the game. I'm sure they're 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 much better later on, but just in the beginning, it's just like these little just shooters. I'm like, oh, I gotta take some of the coolness away. So as you progress through the game, you do unlock various abilities, not only for Peter Quill, but also with every member of the, the Guardians, which is cool because it helps to keep things fresh and it helps you to strategize when you're in those different combat scenarios. The thing about it though, and I guess we, we, can, we can pivot over to this since we're talking about it, is I feel as though actually the combat is the weakest part of the game. 
Um, which is saying something because there are so many other parts. I mean, the graphics are great. The audio is great. The dialogue is great. The writing is great. Like everyone's like faces and the expressions. Oh, character animation. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. I mean, literally the one little like part that it is not necessarily like a bad thing. It's just, it, it becomes as you progress through the game, you realize, okay, there's it, it turns into more of a slog than anything else. It's not like, like it's like, it, it's not a deal breaker. It doesn't break the game. It doesn't sure. cause me to like feel like I'm agonizing in this like really boring mundane thing. But at the same time, um, I think that, that it is interesting to, to focus on the fact that like that is, a it, you do it so often in the game. Um, I am surprised that, they didn't spend a bit more time just just exploring and figuring out, okay, how can we ramp this up a bit? But I, like I said, it's fine. It's just that that is the part that is not like, I don't know, like when it comes to Guardians of the Galaxy, it's like the fighting is such like a pillar of who they are and what they do. You have to make it to 11, which you have certain abilities that you can eventually unlock that, that do push it to 11 in their own ways. But one of the things I thought about actually was final fantasy seven remake, because if you recall, they completely redid right. their, their combat system. Battle system yeah. And I really liked it. I mean, like when I, as I was playing final fantasy seven remake, um, it was no longer like the, the old school turn based, t- yeah, yeah. turn based combat. Y- everything was completely in real time and you had the ability to switch on the fly between the different characters within your party. You can't do that in this game. This game is more about you calling the shots kind of in a squad tactics kind of thing. And they will then fire off whatever kind of ability you want them to do and that sort of thing. Or maybe there are like environmental hazards, which I appreciate. I do like the environmental hazards, but I was thinking about how it's interesting that final fantasy seven remake is also published by square Enix. Yeah. Even though there are different developers, it would have been cool maybe to like, I don't know, share the tech or at least take inspiration from each other from a studio basis, because I do wonder if that would have really helped with their combat mechanics to be able to like, like for me, it's like, I found myself thinking, man, it'd be so cool if I could like fight as Groot for a while. And right. then I want to fight as rocket raccoon. And now I want to fight as Drax. And now I want to fight as Gamora. Yeah. And they're all like different fighting styles too. So yes. that would have been awesome. Yeah. Now I, I, I was thinking that in the very beginning when I first hit the button, to, it'll start the game. I thought, oh, I want to play as Gamora. Like, I really want to play as Gamora. Right. And then, so, when I, as, you know, I'm progressing through the, you know, the beginning and whatnot, I'm just Peter Quill, which I don't have a problem being Peter Quill. But then later on, like, in some of these battles when we're all together, I seem to be the one doing everything. Yeah. And the enemy's all focused on me, and then everyone else is kind of like, oh, enemy. <laughs> Punch. Yeah. Stand there. Wait for 10 seconds. Yeah. Punch. You know, like... Are you guys gonna do anything? Yeah. Like, wait, why wait for my command? So I don't know if it's like an AI thing. I mean, I know they're trying to make it difficult for the player. You know, there has to be some sort of you know toughness, I sure. guess. Sure. But but no, you, you bring up a good point in the sense that the AI itself could have been um improved upon. And uh and it's interesting too to think about uh which we can also kind of uh transition over to, which is the character animation, because 
all of the character animations that I saw, whether it was the enemies or it was the, um, the heroes, even like, like the vehicles themselves, for the most part, I would say the vehicles, there are certain moments with the Milano, for example, where I, I feel like it could have used a little more TLC. It just didn't, it felt a little like a toy or lightweight in some of the cinematic parts. Not too bad. I mean, luckily those, those are few, very few and far between. However, when it comes to like the, the various characters, I mean, I am obviously they're, they're doing motion capture. Right. However, the new type of facial animation technology that they're using, I'm blown away. Yeah. Like, it's very expressive. I mean, you used to see like just kind of static images or, you know, maybe, maybe simple expressions like a, you know, a <laughs> frown or something, but like, I'm not- so terrified right now, but I can't <laughs> yeah. express it. What are we going to do? I'm literally freaking out at this moment. <laughs> it's guys. Like the, the characters from the older games had a really bad case of Botox or something. <laughs> really funny. <laughs> anyway, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, but I mean, you see it from like the very beginning when like when his mom is talking to him, it is, it's not, it's not subtle. Like you notice it. It's so very well done. It's actually yeah. probably, probably one of the highlights of the game, honestly, Yes, is everybody's face has this expression in the eyes and the mouth and, and the subtleties, like, the, the, like the, all this nonverbal communication yeah. with their body gestures. It's, it's really well done. It is. I, I totally agree. Um, and that, and that's just, that's kudos to, to Eidos Montreal for that as well, because I think in a game like this, where they were very pragmatic and purposeful in terms of telling a story that has a lot of heart in it, that focuses on the, the really it focuses on the concept of relationships. And what's really neat about it is that as you go along, it's not exclusive to just the main heroes, literally like the entire story is weaved around the idea of relationships with different folks. So even like the various villains that you come across, that will also play a role, a part in the overall story. So again, it's this wonderfully harmonious type of, of like, like, I don't know, like I said, like I was saying earlier, like subplots and, and character development that go through and complement each other to the point where like you get to the end of the game. And by the way, there is a lot to enjoy at the, I'm just going to put that out there. Like, don't just like turn the game off when you go to credits. Okay. (laughs) Because there, and again, this is, this is something that I always appreciate is the ending to any given video game should be thoughtful. It, 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 that is the opportunity for any studio to really have some fun. Bring it home. Bring, yeah, because that is the the ultimate reward for any gamer, right? Is like you've been able to beat this game. You have this euphoric high. And you're like, yes, I did it, whatever. And there's nothing worse than when you just go right to credits and that's it. And you go back to the title screen. You're like, oh, like, I want to see something epic. I want to see something memorable. Like, what, what are we going to do? And I can tell you that the way that they paste everything and what you will see, it just, again, it, it makes you grin. Like, you're just like, man, like, this is such a fun game. And I think that's the biggest thing is like, this, this is seriously one of the best games of the year. Um, and was what I find so fascinating about that statement is once again, a lot of it has to do with the immersion quality of the game, not necessarily the actual like gameplay mechanics, which is weird because normally the gameplay mechanics plays such a 
fundamental role in terms of a game to be able to like think of it as like, you know, one of the best games of the year. However, in this case, I'm just, I'm so pleased with the performances of the characters, the thoughtfulness of the story that they have put together. And again, like as you play, like, and I know you're only three chapters in just so, so folks know there's like 16 chapters. So there's quite a few and, and certain chapters are longer than others. So it just kind of depends on where you're at. But I found myself loving how easily it was for me to be able to escape from like kind of the real world stresses, you know, of everyday life, that sort of thing. And just effortlessly plunge myself into this world. And the longer I played, I mean, it was crazy. I was putting in like at least four hours a day playing this game. And, and it was crazy because I didn't realize how much time was passing. It wasn't like, Oh yeah, I'm just, I'm slogging through Trudging this. Along. Just, yeah, yeah. I'm going to try and I'm, I'm going to just, you know, muscle through this. It was not, <laughs> it was so effortless in terms of playing this game that there were countless times where, where I just happened to look at my watch. I'm like, Oh wow. It's like 2 AM. I got to stop. I got to go to bed. I got to go to work in the morning. So that is, that, again, that speaks very highly to what they were able to achieve. Nice. I will say though, Russ, <laughs> that uh, where I am in the third chapter, though, yes, I I agree that it does kind of pluck you out of everyday life, which Ooh. a video game is supposed to do. Absolutely, but uh, where I am, you like butts. I I yes, I do. You cannot lie. Um. Anyway. Where I am, these enemies are like taking out half my life with mm. like a single hit. It's like the flying little bu buggy looking things. I'm like, I'm only on the third chapter and I can't even like defeat these things without dying like in two hits. What in the freaking world? Do you die a lot so far? No, just on that part. Just on that part. Okay. Good. Great. Yeah, no, that makes sense because they're ramping up slightly the oh, difficulty slightly. of the enemies. Well, they're, they're trying to condition you to rely more on your squad tactics. I guess. There's a certain formula to it, Steve. And you'll get it, I'm sure. Before I throw the controller at the TV. Oh. Uh. <laughs> by the oh, by, no. this game has a metric ton of achievements. Like, I was going through this game and... It was like my Xbox was constantly doing that that little kind of you know achievement uh, noise over and over. I was like, "Wow, I'm curious how many of these things." I, and I know I didn't find everything. I know I haven't done everything. But having said that, my goodness, <laughs> like they're being very generous. Why? Thank you. I will take that. My gamer score now competes with Brad's. <laughs> Not yet. No. I also wanted to add, going back to like the whole like immersion thing, mm -hmm. um, I was also really taken with how much of this world really captured me. Like it captured my mind, my imagination as I'm playing through the game and I'm going to these different worlds. I think, again, th this is part of the genius of what the story of Guardians of the Galaxy is all about from the comic books is that you have this this teenager, 13-year-old teenager, right? 
who gets swept away from his home, um, you know, goes in and, and discovers how there is this entire universe full of all kinds of sentient life and different types of worlds to visit and languages to learn everything else. And what's really neat about that is that he ends up growing up, uh, the, you know, actually the majority of his life. Because, I mean, Peter Quill looks like he's probably in his, like, late 20s, early 30s, somewhere yeah. around there. Pretty sure. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know, like, what his technical <laughs> nah, <on>. age <laughs> is in the comics. <laughs> but one of the things about that, though, is it gives him this boyish charm right like like and we've seen that in the movies with chris pratt we've also seen it here in the game where there's an immaturity but a it, like it's like a like a a charming immaturity where because he wasn't raised up to being you know like when he until he was 18 or something you know with different types of uh rearing from parents and stuff that there is that that little kind of 10 year old that, that perpetual 10 year old boy or 13 year old boy that exists and that somehow subconsciously acts as a vehicle for me as a viewer or a player to buy into that and then and be able to experience this huge world that he has grown accustomed to, right? Like he is used to going to these various places, seeing these aliens, interfacing, interacting, hooking up with them, whatever it may be. <laughs> but for someone like me, I'm like, wow, this is so cool because of how they have fashioned it. Like, I'll tell you what it reminds me of. What does it remind you of? Flight of the Navigator. When I was a kid, when we went to the theater in the 80s and good we movie. watched Flight of the Navigator, it was. That was a great movie. Still today. By the end of that movie, it was like you wanted to go on that ship, right? right? Like you wanted to go with Max and be able to go on these crazy adventures and be with all these different alien life forms and that sort of thing. Like there was like that, that kind of fantasizing... Uh, I don't know, like just that that fantasy high that that I would get from something like that. It's like, wow, like what if you could actually do that? And here I am, you know, I'm a old, well, not an old timer, but you know, I'm not a, yet, Russ. I'm a, you know, I'm in my forties, so it, I think it just really depends on how these things are presented. But I can tell you with earnest that. Despite me being in my 40s, like playing this game, I mean, I was once again being giddy as someone who could look at it through the eyes of, like, say, a 13 year old, for instance. And I think that that speaks really highly also of the game. Well, I think part of that, too, is uh, that what this game does well with is if you think about, you know, space and like, you know, spaceships, space shooters, whatnot, they, you're in space, but it's nothing really but dark and stars is really what you see. Yeah. And that's it. But you don't explore the world or the alien life. Mm -hmm. And so this, you definitely do. Of course, you're on like the big mother ships. And of course, you have a ship of your own. But you explore the planets and you can see where like there's war-torn ships and there's a there's just this big collection of, you know, all these parts and, and you know, resin or whatever it is. Or you're on an alien world and what you're stepping on is like might be a creature or it might just be a, uh, you know, um, some, some platform that's not exactly rock or not exactly grass or you know but every planet out there is not just rock and poisonous gas you know right. you know what i'm saying like earth is the only green planet on in the entire 
wondrous universe that actually has something else other than rock and poisonous gas. So, I mean, this game is good for also expanding your imagination because, you know, you visit different places and you see the life and you see the atmosphere and you see the weather and it, you know, it just it builds on on that extraterrestrial life in a, in a sorts. Right. So, in a way, that helps your imagination go, go wild too. Well, in conclusion, I, I mean, I wholeheartedly recommend this. I, like I said earlier, I've already beaten the game. I plan on going through. They do have a new game plus, so I'm really excited about that. They have all kinds of different outfits that, once again... Oh, outfits, Russ. Uh, I don't know if, if you were too much aware of that, but I wanted to make yeah. that known because I didn't really figure that out until I was probably like in chapter five or something. So I wanted to give you a heads up and let you know that almost every single chapter you go into, there will be outfits that are hidden in these like little purple canisters. So you got to keep your head on the swivel and mm. look for like these other areas that maybe you have to use a character to access. I'll just put it that way. Um, mm. But doing so, like I have found a number, uh, and, and again, it's not just Peter Quill. Like you have new outfits for each member of the Guardians of the Galaxy, which is great because I was going through that. I was like, oh my gosh, these are so cool. I've found trinkets, but I haven't found any outfits. Not that I know of. Right. So, and, and you also want to keep an eye out for more trinkets. There are a lot of trinkets in the game, which is great because it opens up more narrative right. uh, opportunities when you're back on the ship. So you got to find where Peter has placed those trinkets of interest on the ship. And when right. you do pick it up and then put it down and then you'll have new dialogue options and that sort of thing. So that is a, a lot of fun. Um, what about you, Steve, in terms of, of your, of your impressions of the first three chapters, what, what do you have to say in conclusion? Well, um, for me, the game is definitely flawed, uh, mostly because it's on, Xbox One and not uh, the Series X. So, so that's not necessarily like like the, the game's fault. It's just the it, system that you're playing on. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, there's there's times where like, the, you know, the, the characters are stuttering or, um, you know, you don't have that that flash and glitz and, you know, all the shiny stuff going on like you have that, with the system that can do it. Um, I've had my game crash a few times or tell me it couldn't load my saved game. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. I start all the way over again, you know, so, you know, <laughs> um, or, you know, Peter will bleed through the floor or something like that. I don't know. So part of it is, is, is the system that I'm, that I'm playing on, but I don't, I don't want to like say that that's the game it, right. because of the restriction of my hardware. <laughs> so someday, but, Steve. Someday you too Some will have an Xbox Series someday. X. Someday. That really was um, off key. That that uh I didn't warm up yet. That you know, made, I, that, if had I warmed up, Russ. My eardrums are feeling a little nauseous, Steve. A little nauseated. Give me an hour. I'll, I'll come back and sing for you. Before I go to bed and sing a little your, opera. Sing you a nice little lullaby. Lullaby bedtime tale. <laughs> <laughs> right in your ear. I'll give you a look. <laughs> That's how we do around here in this family. Oh. Any other thoughts? No, that's about it. I mean, I'm looking forward to playing the game. Looking forward to playing. I mean, I think I'm, I'm, I need to finish Far Cry first. I need some, some completion in my life before I start brand sure. new journey. And of course I, I did start it because of the show. Uh-huh. Of you, I, I must all of you out there. I've got to say, I was a little apprehensive because I wasn't sure if you had any interest at all in playing the game. I had interest in playing the game. I was, I was 
cautiously optimistic, which is a phrase that we've been tossing around quite a bit lately, um, because I didn't want this to turn into another like Marvel's Avengers. Yeah, that was terrible. Yeah. So um, when you got it, I was just kind of hoping I would come over and play it with you and then see how good it was <laughs> yeah. before I like lobbed out another you know sixty bucks worth and then have it just you know start all over again like the like the last game was, and I don't want that to happen. Yeah. Um, and then I was hoping you would just kick it into high gear and just beat the game so that I could come over and just play it anyway. And then that didn't happen. I'm like, all right, well, download. I did try to beat the game. I w- I mean, <laughs> when you get to that in-game portion, those chapters are long. Like, I was sitting there like, man, this is, okay. I'm, there's, I remember you texting me asking, like, oh, so did, were you able to beat it? I'm like, I, can't, I just now made it to chapter 15. Like, I, this is going to take a while. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad that you got it. And of course, you know, if you want to play it over here, you can. Oh, thanks. You're, Russ. you're always welcome to come over and play I'll just it return it. Then, then. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do, do what you want to do, Steve. Yeah. Yeah. That wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Thank you for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm to be able to enjoy exclusive perks and early access to the show. Not to mention it financially helps us continue doing the show. Also, make sure you hack that subscribe button. Maybe give a hug to that notification bell. That way you will not miss a single episode of Joygasm, which drops once a week, every week. And while you're at it, do a search on your favorite social media platform of choice. Just do a search for at Joygasm TV. We're on just about every one of them, and we have all kinds of fun little nuggets of content that we place on there. Last but not least... Do a search for Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. We will look forward to hanging out with all of you once again next week.